On behalf of Merlin's Lab, I'm proud to announce our newest supplement. Merlin's Silver Solution. Having anti-parasitic, antibacterial, immune-boosting, and anti-inflammatory effects. It aids in cell regeneration, is a powerful antioxidant, and is also pet-friendly. Purify your water and get rid of pesky odors without the harm of chemical fragrances. Visit the site at merlinslab.myshopify.com for more. Check out the site now and get your own 7ppm Merlin's Lab Silver Solution. Use code Journey to Truth for 10% off store-wide. We here at Merlin's Lab thank Journey to Truth for the opportunity to share this message with you. Please enjoy the show. That's no moon. It's a space station. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. As always, a few announcements before we get started. Just a reminder that I will be speaking at the XCON conference in Springfield, Missouri, coming up in a couple of weeks, next weekend, I believe, October 30th through November 1st. Tickets are still available if you'd like to come and hang out and join us. It should be a lot of fun. They're going to have a costume party for Halloween. I don't know if I'm dressing up yet or not, but uh, tickets are available at unxnetwork.com. That link is below. And as you guys may know, we have announced our conference. The, I'm in the process of building a website now, so tickets should be available soon, and we'll be making all those announcements as far as in as far as details go uh, very shortly, as soon as all that's ready. But Rebels of Disclosure is the name of the conference, and that's the theme anyway. And the dates are May 13th through 16th in Grafton, Illinois, at the Pier Marquette Lodge, the same place it's been the last two years. And we're really excited to um, start putting our energy into that and promoting that. And we can't wait to see you guys all there, even though it's way early. So, uh, and one last reminder, don't forget, you can check out our webinars on our Patreon. We just finished our two-part Hollow Earth series, five over almost six hours of content, probably. Or no, almost five hours of content. I'm sorry. About, about five, probably, yeah. Anyway. It, it was great. Uh, we have some great feedback and uh, your support means everything to us. It keeps us going. So we appreciate everyone who signed up and is loyal as a loyal Patreon. And uh, the Patreon link is below and you can check those webinars out there. Tonight, we are joined once again by our friend Daryl James. He's been on the show a number of times uh, by now, and he spoke at our very first Secret Space Conference and uh, Daryl and I have become friends over the years, and we've been talking recently, and he has some really interesting things to say uh, in regards to Israel and things that uh, Robert told him back when, back in, I believe, 2005, um, and even some new memories surfacing about uh, life on the Japanese world. And I would really want to get into what life was like on the German breakaway civilization, that planet. And we can just go wherever we would like, but uh, we're happy to have you back here, Daryl. Welcome to the show. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Good to be here again. Yeah. So first of all, how are you doing? I'm great. That's great. That, that's great. <laughs> um, awesome. Yeah. Autumn's the best time. Yeah. Well, fall's the best time in Florida. It's just so hot all the time. Right. Oh, right. yeah. For sure. Mm -hmm. So 
the other day when we were talking, uh, you had mentioned something about Robert telling you about Israel. It, you know, it's perfect timing to, to, to kind of discuss that and share what he shared with you just because of what we see happening right now. Well, I mean, yeah, the, the biggest thing he said was, um, you know, I, I, he was telling me just about all the different events of the world and all these things that were happening and, you know, uh, different, uh, you know, the geography would change in the sense of like the maps and things like that. Countries, territories would become different. Uh, nations would become different. Like I said, uh, Russia would, uh, he, he said Russia was going to take back like the Slavic nations, like Ukraine and things like that. And it was just because they wanted to protect the Slavic people. He said, he said it wasn't really like a, in a sense of they, they wanted to genocide them or anything like that. It wasn't like, you know, World War II with, you know, burning the, the wheat fields, the breadbasket of Europe down Ukraine. But um, yeah, he went into like, um, I asked about Israel, I, you know, all the war that's always happening with the Palestinians and Israel. And he eventually said, yeah, Israel will be last. He said, that'll be the last thing that will happen. So it's, it seems to me like, I don't know, because he did say, he was saying things like enjoy the show and, and stuff like that. So it seems maybe that this, uh, a lot of what we don't know happened has already happened. And this whole Israel thing has just, this is the end of it. It's because it, he said that he said Israel will be last in this war in Israel. And yeah, and he also said it wasn't going to be like, you know, peaceful. And, you know, we're going to, he didn't say we we're going to get help from the outside and there weren't going to be other ETs and stuff like that helping us. He said, he said it, it sounded like it was going to be, you know, a, a lot of war over a long period of time, but it would eventually lead up to something a lot better than what we had in store into our original timeline, as far as the timelines being changed. So, I mean, yeah, this war is happening and I don't know, he really didn't go into great detail about it, but he just said Israel will be last. And it, all these other nations are starting to get in, they're threatening to, you know, to get in if Israel escalates any further. So I don't know. And he said that like, you know, the negative, the Satanists, whatever you want to call them, they were going to like try to start a nuclear war, World War Three, things like that. But he said, like, the positive won't let them. Because it's just like, it seems like they're in control, but they're not. And they're just letting them do the, all these things to show us what they had in store for us. Like, you know, to show us all the carnage that was going to take place if somebody didn't step in and stop us. Right. So just, right. For, just for maybe a new listener, can you just let the audience know who Robert is and why he was even sharing this stuff with you. I know the loyal fans know, but maybe just kind of briefly run through that. Yeah, he he was uh, the executive officer of my last command. I was stationed in uh, RAF St. Morgan. It was called JMF RAF back then, Royal Air Force Base. And uh, yeah, he said he was from the year 2580. He told me he was around 400 years old. That's how many times he'd been age regressed, 17 or 18 times. Um that he came from an original timeline where everybody looked like Mike Pence mm -hmm. is what he told me. Yeah. Black hair. He said, everybody had black hair, you know, usually Brown, sometimes blue eyes, kind of like that turned up nose, that constant like scowl that Mike Pence has. He, you know, he had yeah. that like, constant scowl. He said, everybody had that kind of scowl. Everybody, you know, all the women looked like Mike Pence's like wife and daughters, you know, even the daughter with blonde hair, she, you can tell she has that hair where it's jet black. And she dyed it, you know, bleached it blonde. It has like that orangish kind of color that happens when you try to bleach blonde and jet black hair. 
Yeah. And uh, he told me this stuff because he was looking down my timeline. In other words, like uh, looking at my future, he told me he was genetically augmented in the womb to have like a very high IQ, to be very uh, psychic, to be very telepathic, things like this. And that, uh, yeah, he was just making sure that I wasn't going to kill myself is what he said, because he said that most people kill themselves within the first six months who have memories of the 20 year and back. So he was pretty much just looking down my timeline to make sure I, I'd be OK. And then he was telling me things. Not only because I, I took part in a lot of these things, he told me uh, to help these things transpire. But he also said that, um, you know, it was like a way to like let me know this isn't just something you're imagining. This isn't just something, you know, you're not going crazy. Like, like these memories are real, even though he, he kind of said like, this isn't you. As it, he, I, I was telling him about the memories I had and he kept, kept on saying, uh, Daryl, that's not you. Like, you don't understand. That's not you. And he kept on saying that it was almost like he was talking about like a past life I had or something. And yeah, but he was just basically telling me all this stuff, not only to let me know, but it was just kind of like a reassurance to himself that, um, you know, I, I wasn't going to take my own life and, and maybe it kind of like a, a hope. He was trying to give me hope for the future to help me carry on and things like that. So I think that's what he, what he was doing. Yeah. And, and you mentioned on the phone to me that he told you because he looked down your timeline and he saw that you weren't going to talk. He knew that you wouldn't open your mouth. Um, is that accurate? Yeah. Well, I mean, not for a long time. Um, I remember like being in the break room after he told me all this stuff and I, I was like leaning against the wall and I was just like, you know, this guy told me I was like a king for a while in some world. He, he told me that Michael Jackson is going to kill himself and a couple are actually die of an overdose. I mean, but um, they actually murdered him in a couple of years. It was just the different things he was telling me about, you know, all these events that would transpire in the uh, in the future. And. Yeah, he knew like he was just able to look at my timeline and tell that I wasn't going to like say anything while I was stationed at that base, which he said is a good thing. Like I didn't tell anybody. And um, even though, you know, I was tempted to, of course. But. Um, yeah, he uh, he. Um, I remember when I was leaving the office. He he said he said and it was weird, maybe he was doing this because he was a higher density being and he did it on purpose because he, he was pushed our no actually the world he came from the year he said the earth was already fifth density by the time you know he came into 2580 so he didn't have to be artificially pushed up into fifth density like i did but uh he said um as i was leaving he said you're not going to remember this and i like stopped and i said yes i will and then i walked out of his office and uh he uh yeah and it was almost like maybe a suggestion he was kind of putting into my mind to kind of almost help me cope with this because higher density beings they can kind of see the long game they're better at like seeing what's going to happen in the future how even though this may seem cruel in the present how can we help these this individual or these individuals cope with this until the eventual outcome happens and i think maybe that was like a way for him to help me and i also remember like something i said to the commanding officer which was kind of funny. And I don't think I've ever brought it up. Um, so after I saw the XO, I saw the CEO and CEO was the guy I called stick. And, uh, cause I thought he was a stick in the mud. I called him stick on their world and on this other world I was on and everything. And, uh, we didn't like each other. Everything I did, he just like, he just, 
you know, he, he didn't give me any credit for anything. I remember Robert said it was because he was jealous of me because he said uh, they didn't accept him the way they accepted you. And that made him jealous of me. But um, I came in and I was all very, because Robert just told me all this stuff about how I knew this guy and everything like that. And I came in and I handed him my paperwork for my discharge papers. When I first walked in, he looked very like scared, almost like surprised, almost like wondering if I, if I remember him. Because Robert told me that they were, uh, he, he only spoke to me telepathically and I asked him why. And he said that uh, the master chief, who was an off world German, and the CEO, who wasn't, but he just wanted to listen. He said they were listening in. He said that, and he pointed at the phone and he said the phone's on speakerphone and they're listening to our conversation. That's why he wouldn't, he didn't want to talk out loud to me. And uh, I handed him the paper, he signed everything. And I said, thank you, sir. And I just smiled and I got to the door. And I kind of put my head up so I knew my voice would bounce off the door. And I said, no hard feelings, huh, stick? And I turned around and I looked at him. And this had, had to do something with Aquino, with uh, being tortured by Aquino in the underground uh, caverns. I, I looked, I turned around and I looked at him. And I said, not so high and mighty now, are you? And I just like walked away. And I, and I, I said, no hard feelings. And I walked away. But yeah. That was something I did to the commanding officer before I left, which is, I don't know, something I never really brought up. I just let him know that I, I, I knew what he did to me, and I right. remembered him. Right. They're probably not used to that. They're used to people being essentially mind-wiped and probably not remembering anything. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And like, but like I said, if, if, Robert, if the XO hadn't told me these things, I, I probably would have thought it was all in my head. And it probably would have, like, you know, in the long run hurt me. And I'm glad, you know, he did tell me these things. And sometimes I do think, like, maybe I should have got back into the chair, but, you know, too late for that. Right. Uh, you mentioned to me one time that just working out at the VA gym in Florida, you overheard other veterans talking about the programs, which I found extremely fascinating. Yeah, the, it's actually a guy who lives down the street, you know, in the neighborhood, I don't know, a couple blocks from me. And he looks like Mike Pence. He's got like the pure white hair. He's got black eyebrows. And uh, it was, uh, I don't remember. I was in the gym and I forget what the guy's rank was. But he just walked up right up to him and he said, you're from the future, aren't you? And, uh, you know, this older man with white hair, he said, yeah, how did you know that? And he said, we used to work with you guys. And it was just something very... It was just very in your face because I think a lot of these guys, they, they work in, you know, above top secret facilities and things like that. And now that they're out and they're retired and stuff like that, they don't, they kind of let their guard down. And there is like a, I forget how many years it is. I'm not sure if it works with this kind of a high clearance, but I remember when I came back from Iraq, they said, you know, we know you're going to talk about the things you did and you saw, but just make sure you wait at least a year. You know, that, that way the mission will be changed by the time you actually say something. But there is a kind of a grace period that I think I think it's like 10 years or something like that, where you can actually start talking about the things you saw and did. I'm not really sure if it applies to this kind of like clearance. I mean, that's pretty wild, in my opinion, to just be in a gym, in a VA gym and just overhearing a conversation where somebody's like, hey, you're from the future, aren't you? He's like, yeah, how'd you know? Like. But yeah. so so matter of factly having that conversation near you, I don't even know. Maybe that was intentional, but I found it very interesting. 
You gonna say something there? Yeah, yeah I just wanted to say because the the last time we had you on, I just remember a lot of I saw some comments that were like not super fond of the idea of that being our future, <laughs> where everyone looks like Mike Pence and it's this Nazi ish kind of thing, you know. Uh, and I would have to agree with that. So just to be clear, like that's a future because there there is no such thing as the future that's like an inevitable set in stone thing correct like there's multiple different trajectories or timelines that you could go on so i'm assuming that's not really the trajectory now maybe that we're headed on or is that still a possibility well i asked him i said he said that he came back in time to change the timeline because we weren't reaching our true potential that's what he told me he said we couldn't go beyond fifth density and he said that once a world gets like kind of stagnant and doesn't keep evolving, that world will eventually die. And yeah. uh, but he said once you get to like night density, then it's, you're fine. You can just stay there till, you know, until the end, till kingdom come, till prime creator calls us all back home and all of this starts all over again, which might as well be infinity because it's so far into the future. But um, right. yeah, it, it, yeah, once you get to like night density, you can just stay there. But he said that they couldn't go beyond fifth because of the breeding programs. And there was just like this. Yeah, it was crazy amounts of war and nuclear war. And it was just like this. Everything the Satanists wanted to accomplish happened is basically what happened with the Mike Pence kind of timeline. Yeah, and, they, uh, they had poisoned, poisoned themselves so much and so much destruction that they were stuck now, basically. They were, yeah, they were just they could not reach like a higher spiritual enlightenment. Right. to be able to ascend any further and um yeah and i asked him i said well was your mission successful and he said yes and uh i said well what about your parents you know he said my mom's dad gone my dad's gone my brothers and sisters are gone and he said you know my, my you know my friends are gone and i said well why are you still here and he said i don't know and he really like, he didn't know it was just it was almost kind of, kind of like he was in the fold of our timeline or something like that and protected him but still here even though his mother and father never existed and yeah and it was bizarre and he was like and it scared him and i asked about his wife and he said his wife is from this time and i said well then what will happen to your daughter and he didn't know and it really terrified him it seemed like to, to even think about it so it seems to me if he comes back to change the timeline then that's not the timeline that we're gonna see manifest Obviously, no yeah no, no. And, well, and I asked about alternate timelines, too. And he said with what the amount of work they did with Kruger and how they were working with uh, the looking glass technology, he said the timeline that he told me about was going to happen. And that was it. And I, I'm, like I like that movie Butterfly Effect had come out like on DVD when I was in England. So and it was like I never really, you know. I thought about alternate timelines and how you could change your, your own timeline and things like that, which can happen, I guess, on an individual level. And so I brought that up, you know, I said, well, what about extra, you know, other timelines and things like that? And he said, no, it doesn't work that way. He's like, once you like, you get to a specific niche, you can kind of like tell exactly where you're going with the technology they have and stuff like that. Once you get to hmm. like a certain area, but yeah. So, so the nuclear, nuclear, you know, Holocaust, all that stuff, none of that's going to happen anymore. And, you know, it's he, he told me it's going to be a much better future and a much, you know, we're not going to be centuries just being completely just, you know, oh, horrible. It's, it's not horrible for 
several yeah. hundred years where it's going to be horrible sounding like but it's going to be much better now he said that's great yeah, well for one with the nukes uh we're not just affecting us we're affecting other dimensions that have nothing that you know are peaceful and then we're so everything i've seen has pointed to uh the ets are here helping us because it's also helping them because we got our technology advanced so much beyond our spirituality that now we have nuclear bombs that we can not just destroy ourselves and the planet but and that would and that alone if we just destroyed the planet that knocks the whole solar system out of balance which knocks other things out of balance and it affects all these other dimensions and all these other civilizations beyond most people's comprehension so like they're like here to make sure we don't do that they're not allowing us to set off nukes anymore uh, and that's why you know you, you see ufos shutting down uh, uh, nukes going back decades i mean there's proof of this mm -hmm. uh, going back decades and i don't think it's going to be allowed but of course they're not going to they're not telling the world hey we don't have, have the ability you know they're still like making it appear as if uh that's a possibility because they want the fear of course they you know for all the the manipulative well, reasons uh so the whole thing with israel and you know palestine they want the fear that there's going to be a nuclear war because that they want to keep that fear going right because they the dark powers that are trying to hold on still want that but it's not going to be allowed so uh I, it does appear like we're being held in uh almost like a bubble of like protection where they're like all right we're not going to allow you guys to do that anything beyond this but you're going to still have to go through some shit and work out your stuff but we're going to contain it to a certain level because otherwise you're going to you're going to affect way too much that you know you're right you guys are like little babies with machine guns basically like you know right um yeah and, and well they then they want us to have the fear too i mean even the uh right the positive beings they want us he told me it was uh this has to be ingrained into our dna memory is what he said so it's going to be hard right. and they want that like they're they want to show you what they had planned for us and they want people to be like you know scared and they want people to be you know disturbed they they want this because it's something where if this happens now it, it like I said, he, he said that we could step in right now and we could fix everything but it would just right. happen again in a hundred years like it would but just then we don't learn again. the le we don't learn the lessons we have we to don't like, learn anything yeah we have to grow put into like a you know a, a, a state of like fear and shock and something that's really disturbing to us then that like it goes into your DNA memory so that like your children's mm -hmm. children will, will remember this your you know your actual DNA has a memory and it just right. passes on from generation to generation. And like right. that's how it works. So it, it seems mean and cruel and things like that to do that to people. But it's like you have to do it. Like there has to be like a, a painful kind of birthing period to ascend to the next like, uh, you know, level uh, of, of, you know, enlightenment of existence. Well, and growth always happens under stress. I mean, mm -hmm. so. Right. Another thing Robert mentioned to you that I found really interesting and I have more questions about is he told you that space isn't what we think it is. Can you elaborate on that, please? Well, I remember like, like the first class told me that when I first was taking it. and But he didn't really know what he was talking about. What I remember, and this wasn't necessarily, I mean, Robert, maybe he did tell me this, but it's like space is like a cone, if that makes sense. In the sense that... um like you know it go it's big at the bottom and it goes up in the sense that 
we're at the bottom of the cone. So like space is huge to us, you know what I mean? And so we're third density, space is just huge. It's impossible to get from one end of the universe to the other. It just can't happen, you know what I mean? At, at our kind of enlightenment. And then you have like the fifth density beings, which are like in the middle of the cone. And that's their space and, and their existence. So they still need things like craft and stuff like that to get from one end of the universe, but they can do it. And, uh, you know, fifth density, it's kind of like more of a spiritual and more of a technological advancement. And then you have beings that are like ninth density. And he told me that ninth density was the highest that they knew of. That's what he told me. He said even ninth density beings don't know anything higher than ninth. He said there could be. He's not, he said he wasn't denying that that could exist. But he said, as far as we know, there's nothing higher than ninth density. And ninth density beings pretty much are at the very tip of the cone. So they just have to like walk out their front door and they're on the other side of the universe. So that's like, it, it's like the higher enlightenment you are, the higher you up on the cone, mm -hmm. the smaller space becomes, if that makes sense. Because right. I remember I remember things like, you know, Arcturians, like the, the, the people, the beings with like the deep blue skin, they were like ninth density. And they would like appear on our ships sometimes, just like just appear, and there was like nothing no, nobody could do. Like they were just beyond all the technology and stuff, and it, it, nothing could stop them from doing that. But they were peaceful beings, so it really didn't matter. Right, and you know there right. are going to be people in the comments that say, "Oh, he's wrong." There's twelfth dimensional beings and blah blah blah, and I've because I've seen it all. But and like just to reaffirm what Daryl said, like he's not claiming that ninth is the, ninth is the highest. So. I already know those comments are going to be coming. So, yeah, he said it's the highest that we know of, is what he told me. He said there could be more. He's like, but we haven't seen it. You know what right. I mean? And even ninth density beings don't know of anything higher than them, but they don't deny it either. There could be something and, higher. And my, right. And my understanding is that the higher up in density you go, the more experience of oneness you have because it becomes more obvious and apparent that we're all one and we're all connected to not just each other, but everything, the whole multiverse, right? because that's we're all god experiencing itself everything is everything is the same energy uh just in different manifested forms so that's why it's it's really just pure stupidity to hurt something outside of you or someone outside of you because you're hurting yourself because there's no separation we in the third density we just have the illusion of this supposed separation and we, so we're in this like very illusory dense state where it appears as if we're separate it appears as if i can affect you and then it has no consequence to me and i you know and um the that's why fear is can be so rampant here because uh you fear what you don't understand or know um when you're at this lower level of awareness so um you know, that's when wars and all the rest of it that we see. And then it, that just creates that energy just feeds and creates more of the same. So what you feed into creates more of the same. Well, we're learning the lessons. It's like it, things are going to keep repeating until you get those lessons. So it's like uh, you keep feeding into uh, the, the energy of fear, lack, separation, anger, hatred. Uh, you're going to keep getting more and more and more of that. So that's what we have to learn that feeding into that energy does nothing but more you get more of that right and that's what to me that's what karma is karma is just energy it's just the natural law of how things work in the universe because you're because all is one so what you put out is what you're going to get back that's just how it's going to work you know yeah and he well i mean he said that uh 
because I remember like the kids in the underground base, and I really didn't understand his part in it. But I just remember that. I remember him describing what the kids were used for, for adrenochrome harvesting and how they're tortured and things like that. And I said, you know, you're going to hell for this. And he said, there is no hell. And he said, uh, if there is a hell, Earth is it. He said, Earth is hell. He said, we're uh, being artificially kept in like a, a lower density. Pretty much there's no other world like us left. There were other ones like us, but they were already freed. But we're the only ones that right now that are being kept like in this lower density. Like we're like the last place. The last bastion of like Exactly. I've heard that from other sources, actually. It's like Earth is the last bastion of the dark forces mm-hmm. that they're trying to still protect. They're trying to hold out as long as possible. So they're just trying to stall, basically. They know they know the war's already they they've already lost, but they're just trying to stall and keep this system going as long as possible. Well, they're basically. delusional psychopaths. So and they're right. So yeah. that's all they know. That's all they can do because um, that's just who these beings are, you know. So um you create did Robert told you to create a social media account so they can monitor you. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah, he said uh when I was getting out, he said make sure you get a Facebook account. And I said, uh what's Facebook? Cuz this was like what 2005. And he said uh it's like MySpace. He says it's like I, MySpace in the future. Yeah. And I Facebook asked had just come out. Yeah. Yeah, well maybe it was 2004. Yeah. 2004 yeah, is yeah. technically when it yeah. Yeah, yeah, maybe well, because I, I arrived on the command in 2003. So this could have been 2004. Maybe it was like coming out in a couple months or something. And he said, yeah, he said, make sure you get a Facebook account. And, uh, you know, he said, it's like MySpace. And I said, why? And he said, well, we want to be able to keep uh, an eye on you. We want to tr- be able to track you to make sure you're all right. So it was like uh, and he himself said he wanted to be able to, you know, keep track of me to make sure make sure I was OK. Because, yeah, so that was my right, Facebook yeah. well, experience. Well, Facebook is actually a DARPA creation. It was LifeLog, and then they just changed the name to Facebook and released it publicly. <laughs> so it's actually literally a DARPA. Uh, right. So, I program. mean, it would make sense that why why he would say Facebook, because the military right. was already behind it. Um, so shifting gears a little bit, uh, you mentioned that you are slowly starting to have a few memories bleed through from like a Japanese world. And you said that Robert told you that these memories would come through in real time. Can you explain that? Yeah, he said that, um, you know, there's kind of like two of me, the one up in the program, the me right here talking to you right now. And it's like, uh, you know, as this guy up here makes new memories, like I, I remember the beginning and I remember the end. But as far as like stuff in the middle, I really didn't remember. And he said, it's like the me up here makes memories. You know, the me down here will remember those memories, almost like. You know, it's almost like I wake up and I feel like I have a dream or something like that. But it was it's like memories. And uh, and until, you know, the me up here goes back in time and then gets out of the time loop. It's like I'm in this constant kind of time loop. And then, you know, the, the me that is still hasn't, you know. Hard to explain, signed the papers yet or, or you know, it's being age regressed while I'm signing the papers because that was like the first time I realized I was on a time loop when I was signing the papers. And the first class petty officer said to me, you know, just sign the damn papers because you're already, you know, back there. And he let me know that I had already come back from the 20 year and back. But yeah, it's, it's like you make, he told me that, you know, you make the memories as they happen in real time. So the one up there makes new memories and the one down here, this me, remembers those memories. and um. 
Well, yeah, I remember, yeah, being on a Japanese world and it was, uh, I remember it was very like Blade Runner, I guess you would say. It was very, what is that called? Like, uh, I wouldn't call it steampunk, but it's like cyberpunk kind of thing. But it wasn't like in the sense that it was like everybody had implants and stuff. It was in the sense that advertisements just kind of appeared in front of you and things like that. You'd just be like walking you know, down the, the, the sidewalk and it would just be like, uh, you know, like a, a woman would just appear in front of you and try to sell you something. And it was just like a hologram. And it was a very, a lot of holograms, a lot of 3D holograms, a lot of advertisement, kind of like Fuji, a lot of, you know, neon signs everywhere, the way, you know, Fuji is right now today. And, uh, you know, it, and I remember um, like women with small dogs, there were like it seemed like just about every woman had like a small dog it, either she was holding it or, or walking the dog but yeah like i re, i just remember just you know a hologram of like women would just appear right in front of you and start speaking to you in japanese and yeah like wow. that was like yeah so this it was is very fairly recent like yeah this was like a month ago yeah that i kind of realized that i was uh, you know on this japanese world and uh the military looks they dress very much just like they did in World War II. It's kind of like the way the Germans do. The, you know, they wear that high collar and stuff like that. They, uh, just like you think of like the Japanese officers of World War II, like in, in their uh, secret space program, they wear a very similar uniform to what they wore in World War II. And um, yeah, it was just. And yeah, that, that's that's what I remember that right now. Yeah. And I, and I also, he's, I'm sorry. He said that. Uh, I remember Robert told me that I, you know, the 20 years they gave me a three year extension is what he said, because I guess because I was in like the dark fleet, which really wasn't supposed to happen. I was supposed to go directly into Solar Warden. So they kind of like awarded me like an extra three years. But then they didn't send me back a, a year early because I kept on saying I still have a year like you're not supposed to send me back. I still have a year because like I said, I can remember the beginning and the end, but not really. And I remember that at the end, me saying that. And um yeah, so hopefully this spring, I mean, this coming up spring, I think is like my end. So I think that's my end because that would be an extra two years. After oh, so, 20. so you're at the end of, you're in the extra time, overtime. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm in like the, like the extension they gave me because of, uh, you know, the mishap that happened in the beginning. I guess they felt like they would award me an extra three years. And there's no recollection as to where this Japanese world might reside? No, no, it, it, that's how my memories are. They're not really like, they're like, you know, situation scenarios, me, me walking down the street, me having a discussion with someone. As far as actual, I remember the technology, some of it. I remember how the ship worked. I remember the ship was basically just worked with, with a telepathic bond, you know, so it wasn't really like a lot of, you know, buttons and things like that. It really, you really weren't piloting it in the sense that you were controlling it through, you know, uh, a different kind of like you know the the way it uh the, the the interface was just it was telepathic it was just complete it was like an extension of yourself it was almost like you became kind of part of the ship and only it, there was like a, a very large smart glass pad like on a on a swing arm and you would use that for like docking and like departing and things like that you would use that to when you're docking onto like a space station, they have like space stations outside of worlds because it's something that big can't land. So how would you describe the firmament that people say that we can't break through? 
Oh, I mean, I would just describe that as just probably the um, what is that called? The uh, the magnetic field. The magnetosphere. Yeah, I, I would probably describe it as that. But I do remember when I first talked to Robert about joining the program, I did ask. I said, "Is the universe?" constantly growing at the speed of light like according to einstein's theory you know of the big bang where it's just it's it's ever expanding at the speed of light like for for, for infinity and he said no there's a limit he said there is like an ending so maybe that could be what they're talking about as well the universe itself has like a limit has an ending and uh i asked him how long it would take to get to the end from earth and he said with the proper amount of jumps about 15 minutes and he said, uh, and then he kind of calculated in his head at the speed of light, approaching the speed of light. That's what they, you know, what he, what they say, approaching the speed of light. I think he said it would take about eight years. So it's not nearly as big as we think it is. Or maybe it's just the speed of light kind of is different than we, but I think he said eight years. I think he only said it would take about eight years to get to the end from Earth. And there is an ending and, it, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't grow like, you know, at the speed of light. So maybe that could be what the people are thinking as well. Because I remember, like, I've seen old medieval paintings of, like, uh, uh, like a painting of Christ, and he's holding, like, a sphere in his hand, like a silver sphere. And they said that that represented, like, the earth or something, but maybe it represents the universe itself. I, you know what I mean? I, that could be it as well. I'm not, you know, I've, I've seen things like that. In Interesting. Um, so something that we've kind of touched on in past interviews, but I'm really fascinated with, and, and I just, uh, I just felt like it would be fun to discuss it further was what life was like on the German planet on the German world and like how you ended up there. But uh, specifically like some of the details, kind of like the Japanese world, like the, the hologram popping up in the sidewalk, like those little details I find very intriguing. And I, I was wondering, maybe we can just go into that a little bit and, and explain to our audience, like how you ended up on the German planet and then what that was like. Well, I mean, on the German world, it was, they, uh, I was getting everything the Germans wanted and I was doing very well. And they liked that I played an instrument and I was like their entertainment. They had a bar on the ship where they would drink beer. And, um, eventually I had like a high ranking German come up to me and he was like, I don't know, equivalent to like an admiral or a general. And, uh, he said, uh, well, it was after one of the reptiles congratulated me. There was like a team of reptiles on the ship. I remember that. It was like a, the head, the master of the ship. And then there were like three others. And uh, he said, you know, you're doing a very good job. I'll tell the reptiles. I'll tell them back, you know, on Earth to be easy on you for the whole, you know, poking the reptile in the eye incident when I first went to a density chamber. And um, after that, the Germans kind of took me to the side in a different office in this very high ranking Germany said, uh, they're lying to you. You know, when you get back, they're just going to tear you apart and it's going to be horrible. And he said that, uh, you know, your only living relatives are your mother and your sister. And uh, we would like you to go into the dark fleet, you know, full time, just not go back to Earth and just stay in the dark, dark, dark fleet. And I told him I'd do it, but I, I told him I wanted German citizenship. Like I wanted everything. I wanted to be able to own land and have a wife and have kids and have them to be citizens. And um, they talked about it and I, it, Next day, they came back to me and they said they yes, and they agreed. So I got almost like a kind of like a like a green card to kind of be on their world. Like a, it was a notarized, like a notarized paper. It was like one from this high ranking officer and one from like 
the mayor of this town. And I think it was like New Berlin, I think is what it was called. And um, yeah, it was just, it was very like tropical. It had beaches, palm trees. Um, I met a woman there. Her name was Helen, I think. And um, yeah, it was just very, uh, it looked like just like an old kind of German town. It looked kind of like, I don't know, like Munich or something like that. It just looked, it was very, the architecture and everything else. The buildings weren't, the, you know, extremely high. It wasn't, you know, they weren't four or five stories. It wasn't like something grandiose. They had like markets, almost like a farmer's market. I remember being at like farmer's markets. Um, I remember not being able to speak German very well at all. And uh, but everybody knew how to speak English because it's like they're all kind of taught to be spies, like infiltrators. And so like English is a very common language on Earth. So it's like they, they could all be tasked to like come to Earth and act as though they're American and things like that or act as though they're English. Or... So they all speak English very fluently. And uh, the, the man eventually, the guy at the market started speaking English with me. And this woman, Helen, there was with me there. And these two, like, they were like constables, like German, like police. They came up to me and they said, like, why don't you speak German? And I, I told them my situation that I was like, a, you know, I had like this visa, like kind of a green card kind of thing to, to be in this on this world. And um, they said, what evidence do you have of this? And I pulled it out of my pocket and, you know, it was notarized and they were they read it and they had never seen anything like this before. And they were still questioning me. And this woman, Helen, just started like uh, raising her voice to him in uh, German. And then they they just like folded the papers up and like handed them back to me. And that was the that was the end of it. But, yeah, it was like it, even Robert told me that uh, he had never been to the world before and that uh, they're very secretive. And he was asking me what it was like. And um, I told him it was, you know, like the 40s. I told him that, you know. Men wore suits and fedoras and women wear dresses and pillbox hats. There was like a. There was um, like a public, like a public transit kind of system. There was like a tram and that was mostly like women with children and things like that. One of that and elderly. And then there was like this kind of sidewalk system where. There were like branches that you stepped on that were slower and they would slowly speed up till you hit the center. And then the center, you were going like, I don't even know, 50 miles an hour. But it was like you were in this tube, so you didn't feel it. You were inside of like a tube. And holograms would appear in front of you and tell you like what street you were on, what destination was coming up, where to exit out. And then there were branches where you would just step off and you'd kind of like get lunged back a little bit. But it, it would slowly descend you until you got off at your stop. So it was like this moving sidewalk where it just, boom, you hit the center part and it, you just took off. Wow. And then once you went to step off, you just saw like a hologram appear where you wanted to get off and you would just step off. And I think they use they had like a Frank system. Um, it was almost like a like a kind of gold. It looked like like their money. Um, yeah. And I mean, I remember getting a fitted suit and I remember being sized up for it by like an actual tailor. It wasn't high tech. It, it almost like I don't know if you go to like Germany nowadays. It's like, you know. You kind of have to pay to do everything, but they do that so everybody has a, something to do. Everybody has a job. Everybody gets paid. 
So even like bathroom attendants at a McDonald's, like there's a bathroom attendant everywhere in Germany. You have to pay to like go to the bathroom everywhere. But they they do it for the purpose of giving everybody, you know, a job, something to do, something to be paid for, something to fulfill their life. But yeah, it was kind of like that there too. Even though they have technology, I'm sure they could just size you up. There was still a tailor there that, you know, used measuring tape and everything like that to get your suit size. Yeah, I mean, the it was the S3 of my command in England, the, the legal officer who was like the fourth in command. He was a lieutenant, but he was actually an off-world German too. And he was the uh, the first officer on my ship. He was like the number two German, ranking German. And I asked him for money, you know, and uh, he gave me 500 francs, I think it was. But it was like, I bought like, I don't even know, four suits. I bought a couple suits. I bought like a bathing suit. I bought a towel. I bought all this stuff and I still have like 300 francs left over. So their money went very far. It was, just, it was a lot further. So it was like, you know, probably like what the twenties were like or whatever. It was right. like a booming economy. That's incredible. I mean, that's the type of details that you just can't make up. Like it's, it's just yeah. so fascinating to me. And so how did you end up getting off of that planet? What was that process like? What happened? Wasn't there like some dinner or something? Oh, right, right. Yeah. Um, well, I was with Helen and uh, the, the guy who was the S3, who was the uh, first officer. Um, he invited me over to their house for dinner, uh, both of us for dinner. For he, he had, you know, he was married and he had two sons. And, um, you know, even the kids, the kids wore like, you know, very old fashioned stuff like knickerbockers with the knee high socks and all that stuff. They they wore stuff like that. And they were talking to me and they spoke English very well as well. His, his two sons. And um, it was like very old fashioned in the sense that they ate in the kitchen. They had like a kid's table in the kitchen and they had one of those doors. I remember that very well, like the, the padded vinyl doors, like a restaurant door that swings back and forth when you go in and out of the kitchen with the small glass, you know, window in it. Right. Circular window. And yeah, and we ate outside and uh, the kids ate in, you know, in the kitchen. They had a small like kids table and they ate in the kitchen. And um, I remember the wife said something about the reptiles, negative about the reptiles. And, you know, said something like, I can't stand them. You know, I, I hate them. I can't stand them. And uh, I kind of was just quiet because it was almost like you were in this kind of you know, prison mentality in the sense that you were like almost like in a in a prison camp where it was like in Korea or something. It was like you felt like they had such control of their life that they, they were able to step into your mind. You know what I mean? And know what you were thinking. So it was like you never like judged the reptiles. It was very, you know, you never had bad thoughts about them. You tried not to. And uh, he said, you know, it's OK. We don't like them either. You can speak freely. And I just told him, you know. You know, I hate them, you know, because they hate themselves. You can just tell they hated themselves. And, and that's why, you know, they hated everything else. And, and yeah, so I was just open about how much I hated them after that. But yeah, I thought it was very strange that the uh, the off-world Germans just openly didn't like, they did, they despised the reptiles, it seemed like. It seemed like they maybe got into a deal they didn't understand they were getting into, probably, whenever they, they left Earth, is what it sounded like. You know, wow. they yeah, so know they're gonna... eventually they are like, yeah, lining with Draco is a very bad deal. And they probably had no right. idea. <laughs> yeah. It's too late. 
Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that's how they got their world. Because it's like one of those things where, like, if you're loyal to the Draco, then they'll give you things. Like, if you, if you prove your loyalty, they'll give you things. So it's, that's probably where they got their worlds from. I think they had more than one, the off-world Germans. But, yeah, they didn't like it. And there was also, like, there seemed to be a breakaway as well with the Dark Fleet. Where the Dark Fleet themselves, maybe be with Kruger or something like that. Because I, I know Kruger is like a, a Germany from a, um, an alternate Earth. There's like, um, I think they told me there was eight different universes that we know of. And they have the technology to be able to go into different universes. Which we don't have that technology here. Because um, how I remember it is, it, it's almost the same thing with the other universes where the Germans used the Vril Society, the women with the very long hair, the channel and things like that. They channel, they first they get positive ETs. The positive ETs offer them karmic weapons is what they call them, which is like, uh, say Berlin's getting bombed. It would send the bombs right back up and blow the plane up. So it would immediately stop the war. It would be a suicide mission for everybody. Mm -hmm. uh, but the Germans from like our world, they didn't think that was enough. So they denied them. So then positive, I mean, negative ETs came like greys and the reptiles, and they offered them like offensive weapons. And the whole point of World War II wasn't to be won by the Germans. They were just trying to delay as long as they could to get all this technology. They not only got from, you know, the Draco and, you know, where they were told to dig in Antarctica and things like that and get it to South America as quickly as possible. That's what I believe World War II was actually about, just to hold the allies off long enough just to get everything there. And um sounds about right. But yeah, but this Kruger world, they immediately went with the positive ETs. They took this technology and they worked with like, you know, the positive ETs, Pleiadians and things like that. And they developed a technology that was uh able to go into different universes. And we don't uh, no being that we know of in this universe has that technology. The reptiles don't, Pleiadians, nobody that we know of has that technology. But Kruger has it. And with these other ETs they work with. And they're trying to get all of these universes that they know of on the same page. They're trying to help everybody out, get them all to their true, their fullest potential to eventually fight the AI. And the AI is like, they have this technology too, as far as we know. And they're going into different universes and corrupting these universes. And that's what like the Draco use. They're filled with the AI. And, uh, it's in a different universe, so we can't fight it. So it's really like it's impossible. Like, it's impossible for us to fight, but they can. But they can't do it on their own. So they're trying to get all these other universes together on the same page to just go after the AI all at once. And that's as, as far as like I can tell what's happening with that and what Kruger is. And so there is. I, I was. I remember talking to the lieutenant, the doctor, on the base, and uh, you know I was doing like my final physical before I checked out of the military, and I I saw him. And he was an off-world German. And he started talking to me like telepathically immediately. And uh, I said something like, I was mad. I didn't really know what was happening. And I just knew I hated the reptiles. And I remember I called to the Germans and stuff. I called the reptiles their gods whenever um, I got into like, you know, with the Pleiadians and stuff like that. And he said, uh, you know, it may seem like there are gods. And I said, no, there are, they're your gods. He's like, you don't understand. And then he said, like, we're helping you. You know, like, I hope you know that, like, we're trying, like, we're helping you. We're helping Earth now, is what he's told me. So it almost seemed like that there was, like, either he was part of Kruger, then I didn't realize it, or he was part of the Dark Fleet from our universe. And there was, it seemed like there was, like, a breakaway 
like a rebellion against the uh, the Dracos and the Dark Fleet itself. <laughs> wow, uh, it's that's so incredible. This this information I can listen to it all day. Uh, just sitting here, like hearing what's just these firsthand stories. I just absolutely love it. So, whenever you were going back to the getting off the German planet, like you eventually, like you while you were there, that was when you were technically part of Dark Fleet. And then weren't you like saved from that situation? Well, yeah, I mean, I didn't really see it that way. It's that's like something complex about how it kind of works is, you know, um, I was kind of like in a, I was like a nominee, I guess, a select, you know, like a dark fleet, fleet select, I guess you would say. I wasn't, I wasn't officially part of them yet, but I was kind of like selected to become one of them. This was something that really didn't happen a lot, so it was kind of new. So I was still kind of like in a probationary period is what I was with them. And, um, you know, I was, had their uniform, I wore the uniform they wore, and I was part of them. And, um, yeah, it was just eventually we got to, the uh, first officer came up to me and he said, um, you know, we're going to see the the ones that we've been fighting and we're going to see them and uh, they're not going to attack the master, which is like the head reptile. He said, but just make sure, you know, just in case, protect the master, uh, you know, at all costs. And I said, yes, sir. And uh, we got to this space station area and it was very like, I really didn't know anything else existed except for maybe like grays and reptiles and things like that. And yeah, when, it, when we got into like the space station area, it was like a, yeah, like a United Nations kind of thing almost where, you know, different ETs and things like that would talk about, I don't know, peace treaties or uh, negotiations. Trade was big there. ETs are big on trade. And uh, yeah, I saw it all. I saw, you know, the Lyrans and, you know, the cat beings and the, and the canine beings and the, most of it was small. A lot of the things you saw was very were very small and um, like maybe only a foot tall. And it was almost like an unspoken rule where like the taller beings like us kind of walked around slow, walked very slowly. So these smaller things can kind of weave in and out of their legs and they were just running around everywhere and like looking around. Most of the stuff wore like robes. Most of it wore robes. Most of the beings you saw wore robes. And yeah, it was eventually um, like a man and a woman Nordics. And I remember Robert told me they were called Tijetans, but yeah, they were Nordics and uh, they came up and the master came up and we were just standing there. And it was like, you know, the commanding officer, the executive officer of this, of Dark Fleet and myself. And I was somehow involved in this and I didn't know what was happening. And they were speaking to each other. First, it was the woman. It's kind of like how negotiations happens. First, the woman comes up and she kind of like, you know, compliments them and things like that. And, um, you know, it was something to the effect of, you know, um, the property belongs to us and you know it does. And um, you took it, you took this property from us, you know, and you broke the contract. And, um, the the reptiles argument was you know we've invested so much time and resources into the property it rightfully belongs to us now and uh then the man came up with like a smart glass pad and he showed him like the exact contract and he said like if you don't return the property 
this will be considered an act of war. And the reptile read like every line, put his hands behind his back and read every line of, of on the smart glass pad. And then he just kind of threw his hands up and just walked away. And the uh, commanding officer ran right behind him, you know, and, and the executive officer was still standing with me. And the woman came up to me and she said, you're coming with us now. And I looked at him and he nodded his head and I looked at her and I said, can I get my things? She said, yes, hurry. And I grabbed my things. But yeah, that's how it was. It was like, I was still property. I was still like a slave. You know what I mean? Even with the positive beings. And that's something that's weird that people, I don't know, maybe wouldn't like, but even positive beings, you know, deal with that. They deal in that. They deal in the slave trade. They deal in things like that. They deal in trade. You know what I mean? I, I, I had no say so. I, I had no rights still. So I, I had to go with them, even though I was engaged in everything else, trying to start a new life. I had to start all over again. Yeah, it's interesting. And that just goes back to my point where nothing is black and white. You know, um, we like to think of things in simple terms. And sometimes it's very convoluted. And people, like you said, they, they like the Germans, they get into a bad deal with the reptilians. They don't know what they're getting themselves into. So then, you know, automatically they're the bad guys. Everyone thinks they're negative and the Nazis and all this stuff. And yeah, there are negative acts and there are things arguably that can, you know, we can say, yeah, they're not great, but we have to understand that people are getting themselves in the situations that they don't really know what they're signing up for. And nothing's black and white. So I think it's interesting when we get to hear stories like this. Yeah, I, I didn't know what I was getting into. That's for sure. And I signed a contract. So before I, you know, when I was still on Earth at the base, I signed to go into the and I didn't realize, you know, the things I'd be doing. I just kind of did it. Right. I, I was trying. I thought I was helping. And I was, I guess, eventually in the end. But in the beginning, it was horrible. Mm. Did you have anything you want to add to that, Aaron? or ask not really um yeah but uh so what what do you see right now so bringing it back to the present um like does it look like we're on a good trajectory right now as far as you can tell it's just things are going to be chaotic for a little while until before they start visibly getting better um well, I just, I just know what you guys know in the sense that, I mean, was it General Milley? They finally got rid of that guy. And uh, that guy was a nightmare. And they replaced them with another general, and his, his middle name is Q, which I think is a funny, like, nod and wink, maybe. Mm -hmm. And, um, I mean, it's just, geez, man, the Bidens, aren't they, isn't Joe Biden, like, being impeached, basically? Like, they're going through a trial and things like that to impeach him? And I don't know, maybe it'll happen or maybe maybe it won't. But to me, it's very strange that nobody cares. This would be like huge. This would be huge at any other time right. and nobody cares. You know what I mean? And it's just, <laughs> to me, right. it's, that's a big, that's a big sim sign right there where it's just, it, really, all these things are happening right now. Yeah, it's really, <laughs> in recent years, it's been really apparent to me how, how just asleep so many people are, how not just brainwashed and programmed, absolutely that, but like just asleep, just like, like they all they can see is what is like their routine in their life right in front of them. And that's it. And like nothing else, they don't even like, you know, it's like things are right in their face and they can't even see it or, or understand what's really going on. 
Yeah, I think um, that's from a cocktail. And I, but I think there's what's that? I, I was just saying, I think that's from a cocktail of drugs and poisons. I mean, you got the air, the water, the food, right. and eventually you're being you're literally being mind controlled, and you're right. You get to this frequency where everything's about instant gratification, and people are looking for that, you know, those dopamine hits and the attention span is shortened. So even when you do present the truth to these people um, in 15 seconds, they forgot about it because, oh, look, a squirrel, you know. Right. Like they're talking about the like governments are now literally coming out and saying, hey, UFOs are real. We found ET bodies. ETs are real. <laughs> they're here. Like this should be this should be the number one thing on every news. Number one thing talked about on the planet. But but what is like most people are just like, Oh, cool. Okay, whatever. Let me just go back to my job and, you know. Well, the news good, isn't helping you know. either, though. I mean, the news isn't telling anyone anything. This is right. stuff, the news isn't telling anybody. I mean, it might be like on like a little snippet here and there. But it's well, they're part of the they're part of the cover up. They're part of it too, right? But yeah, but it's, it's still out there. Happening. And it, yeah. it should, that's what I'm saying. It should be on the news more. Like it should be, but like. You know, and then but then most people, even when like I try to talk to the average person about this stuff, their eyes glaze over and they're just or they just like they put up this wall like, oh, yeah, that's what that sounds like BS to me. That sounds like fantasy, whatever. It's probably not true well, because they haven't heard it on the news because they weren't taught it in school because their parents didn't teach them. You know, it's like everyone people have this like expectation of like truth is going to just be handed to me on a platter. It's like, that's not the world we live in. And if you can't understand that, you're you're still super asleep. You haven't even well, begun. It's to like, like, but it's not their fault. We're born. It's not their fault. It. We're built into, we're born into this mind control. Um, right. And everyone's at where they're at, but it's, right. but it's like, it just shows you how long of a way to go so many people have. And it's like, I'm curious how things are going to play out when you still have so many people on the planet that are, that are at that level. Like, do things have to get like really, really bad to like jolt them awake? Or like, I'm just curious, like, how is this going to play out? I don't out think anyone has the answer to that. I mean, I will. Right. I, I was I was actually told that like they thought like like Europe and stuff is, is more on the ball. But like Robert told me, like the United States, <laughs> this is kind of like, I don't know, maybe demoralizing, but it's going to happen anyways. But they kind of wanted the awakening to happen more in America. It's happening in Europe and the rest of the world, but it's not happening so much in America. So America kind of has to be like, kind of pushed through the door, like American people in general. We've just been, you know, brainwashed for so long. And he's like, yeah, like the United States, they're not really, you know, it's not unlocking what they hoped it would unlock in them. So they kind of just have to just shove them through it. While the rest of the world, it, it's working for them, but for America, it's really not working. But you know, whether we like it or not, this this is happening in, in the sense of like we're gonna be we're gonna go into a you know a, a more enlightened form of a you know just consciousness. Our consciousness is gonna be raised, whether we like right. it or not. We're gonna get our butts kicked. Yeah, right. yeah. If we're not, <laughs> do, do things? Yeah. yeah. Do things happen in your life, Daryl, that might be indicators that? robert or somebody else is watching you still is monitoring you still do you ever get indications of that i mean except for the incident where i had with like that rill and things like that which i talked about one of the past videos i mean that was a big one i mean if you want me to go into that more 
I, I just meant like, re, like, are you ever just driving down the street or something like something will occur in your daily life for like you, it's like a nod, like them just letting you know that, you know, we're still watching you. I mean, no. And that's like a really maddening for me in that sense where I wish somebody, I mean, you know, I wish that they would, I wish that they would, but um, yeah, I mean, maybe it's for my own protection. Maybe it's for, you know, I don't, I don't really know. Maybe I, I, I couldn't say, but you know, yeah. I'm not, I'm not a channeler. I, I, I don't really talk to them. You know, I'm, I'm not, I, I don't talk to the Pleiadians. I don't really talk to Robert. I mean, when he was looking down my timeline, he said there were instances when I was present with him in the office where he kind of like stopped me. I was trying to talk to him and he said, wait, 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 wait. And I said, what? He's like, you're talking to me right now. So maybe like I, I am, but I don't really know it. it. It was almost like he he kind of like there were times where I was kind of speaking to him where I realized he was there. And sometimes maybe I think I do do it, but it's just like I'm not sure. I mean, I have doubts. You know what I mean? I mean. He did say that, uh, you know, we're behind schedule. He, I, as, as far as when he was looking at my timeline, he thought things were going to happen quicker. But he, but, you know, through what he saw through looking glass technology. But when he was in my presence looking through my timeline, he could tell that we're about two years behind schedule is what I think he pretty much told me. And like I said, he said that, the, you know, the, the negative beings, they can slow things down, but they can't stop it. Like it can't be stopped, but it can be prolonged. And I think Delayed. it's being, prolonged. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all they can do. Yeah. Right. But they can only do that so much. And then it's, yeah. Yeah. Well, this has been incredibly fascinating. Once again, um, is there anything else that you'd like to share with us, Daryl, before we start wrapping this up? No, I mean, but just have hope, you know, have a positive view. I mean, I, I think positivity is, is very good. It's always good to have a positive view. You know, whether, you know, where there's life, there's hope. I mean, that's something, you know, like a, a Roman general once said or a centurion. So, I mean, never forget that. That's like very important. It's always yes. good to have hope. Yeah, I agree. Well, thanks again for joining us. And uh, this has been, it's always a pleasure to have yes. you on. And and I'm sure, you know, one day down the line, we'll be doing this again. And, uh, you know, uh, keep it up. And uh we appreciate everything you're doing right now. Sharing this stuff is important. It's crucial. And uh, we have to, you know, the secret space program topic in general, they're trying to sweep it under the rug and we have to keep it alive. You know, um, they want people to stop talking. So just by you doing these interviews, it's actually, I think it's doing more for the timeline than you might realize. So thank you. And uh, yeah, thank you guys all for tuning in and don't forget to go check out our webinars. If you haven't, that link is below. And I hope some of you guys might be coming to Springfield and seeing me at the XCon. I'll be speaking there, uh, sharing some of my stories and some new stuff I haven't told yet. So if you're interested, those tickets are below on xnetwork.com. And uh, that being said, have a great evening. We love you all and good night. A lot of this information has been kept uh, uh, sort of locked up or kept undercover because of the invasion of the Smithsonian group way back in the 1880s. What actually happens is it's not taken to preserve it, it's taken to hide it. And um, 
About four and a half miles from here, a cave was discovered. It's not really a cave as such, it's a man-made cavern system. But how the hell do you get that much granite? Because the granite on the base of that damn near weighs what the dirt on the top of it weighs. Nobody knows what's underneath it. I've heard a theory that there's a spaceship underneath it. There was copper and steel plated artifacts that depicted men in armor with shields and helmets. Including right here at Cahokia, there were reported two giants with double rows of teeth and six fingers and six toes. Extra vertebrae or extra ribs in their cage. These are different races of people. They're not just regular humans. Definitely is a stone burial chamber and there's a large body in it, uh, bones. I would say 15 to 16 feet. I saw different types of extraterrestrials here with the Native Americans. The peoples of the Cahokia Mounds actually saw the Birdman as some kind of cosmic being and not a humanoid being. So this Birdman was the last and the pure and the true of his kind. So yes, there are, there were rituals or there were dances and celebrations and people would dress up like the galactic beings that were visiting, um, but there were actual physical galactic beings that were visiting. <laughs>